Hey, everyone. Today's guest is actress and singer Liz Gillies. It turns out that Liz and I have a ton in common. We both drove around in RVs this past year. They both broke down. We both got married. Both of our husbands are named Michael. We're both obsessed by the White Lotus, and neither of us knows how to cry. I love talking with Liz, and she has some great advice on how to make a relationship work. Later in the episode, April and I talk with a listener who would have to leave her family to pursue her dreams of becoming an Olympic athlete. If you have a question and would like some unqualified and qualified advice, please look for the link at unqualified.com. But first, here's Liz. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is so sweet of you. Of course, I'm stoked. Are you in Atlanta right now? Yeah, I'm in Atlanta. I moved here, I guess, like four years ago, going on five. What do you enjoy about Atlanta? I'm from New Jersey, so it looks a little bit more like the East Coast, and it has East Coast vibes, and I get more seasons than I do in L.A., so I like that, and the people are cool, and the food is great. I just read that you got married during this time. I did get married. I had a whole big wedding plan, and then I just ended up getting married on a farm with 12 people, and it was perfect, and I would never do it differently. It was the best. I got married, too. We just eloped. Ah, that's amazing. Last year, my husband and I, during the pandemic, bought an RV, a big class A RV. He'd never driven one. I don't drive. And we thought it would be fun. And we're like, oh, we'll get the biggest one because that'll be so smart. Because <laughs> it'll be just so much room for us. It'll be so much room for us to run around, for all our dogs. Like, <gasps> There's just no room for the RV. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's like tilting off of our driveway. It almost fell over when we brought it home. And we drove it up to our wedding because we didn't know what was going on back then. You know, we didn't want to use public restrooms and we didn't want to fly. So <laughs> we got this RV and it was like the carbon monoxide alarm was going off the whole time. The dogs were screaming. This woman hit our RV after he drove it perfectly there, which was such an accomplishment. Some woman just backed into it like an idiot. So it was just such a buzzkill. We're like, oh, my God. Anyway, long story short, everything broke. Doors were falling off. It was insane. So we resold it immediately after the wedding. We have a very similar story. Really? Oh, my God. Tell me. Well, we bought a short one because we live in the Palisades and there's all kinds of parking right, restrictions right, right. here. So we couldn't buy anything over 19 feet. Which is manageable. Mine was 30. It was the worst. 19 is manageable. But yeah, the sunroof caught on fire in San Francisco. How did it catch on fire? The solar panels got a little too much sun, I guess. <laughs> But everything was already going wrong by then. So we traded it in for another one. So you sold yours. Do you have any plans on getting another one? Oh, my God, no. Like, we took a huge loss, and it, it needed to go away. Listen, it was really fun. I regret nothing. I have some amazing photos of... So this is what's really weird. After I got married on this farm in New Jersey, we drove off in our RV. But my mom and my grandma were like, oh, my God, we'll come back with you. That'll be so fun. We've never been in an RV. So my honeymoon was basically driving back to Atlanta in a hot AC-less RV with my mother and my grandmother. And it was insanity. We were in an RV park, and that's what I was getting at. Like, I realized I didn't understand RV culture. You know, it's something else you have to learn. And I was like convincing myself and everyone else, I'm like, I'm a convert. I'm going to be this person who lives in an RV. I don't want any belongings. They're like, okay, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this happened. And, but I mean, I'll never forget it. And it was beautiful. And I have some great 
photos of all of us and uh, my French bulldog loved it. He misses it dearly. So whatever. Don't you quickly realize that like your food options are pretty narrow? It was all Amy's <laughs> frozen and then like, you know, fast food. And you can't fit at any of the drive throughs because no, of the height. No. <laughs> Nothing. And it's like you're never afraid of overpasses or the height restrictions until you're in one. And then I found myself doing this all the time. Like I was ducking as if that would do anything. And then I thought, this is might be a dumb question, but what actually happens? What happens if you do it and you're in there and you're stuck? What's the next step? Someone comes in and takes your roof. I actually don't know. Well, let's work it out. Okay, so we're barreling down I-5, although I-5 isn't the best example. Let's say the one, there's a low <laughs> pedestrian bridge. We totally right, clip it. Right. I think we, we get like two thirds of the RV through. Then we would get stuck. And then someone would just like plow into the back of us. Plow into, push, push, push it, it through. through. And then we'd have a sunroof. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Which is so great. Because then... <laughs> because the AC's out. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> That's amazing. That is so funny. Will you tell us how you met your husband? And I know you had a small wedding, but I'm always interested in wedding drama, if there was any. Yeah, I met my husband years ago. I had a crush on him, and I didn't have any plans of what to do with that crush. I just knew I had a crush on him. And years later, we got together sort of by my willing it. And we've been together for over eight years now. So it's been a long time. And we are definitely meant to be together. And, you know, we're, I guess, soulmates or whatever, if you believe in that. So it all is great. What were the wedding plans before everything shifted to the farm? I mean, I had the St. Regis and it was a whole thing. And which I was already like, eh, I was already kind of not into it. I was kind of getting bummed. I was like, I don't really want to have this big wedding. I don't feel like it. And I wanted to have 80 people. 80 is the impossible number. It's not a real number. It sounds amazing, but it doesn't happen. And then you're like, oh, my mom's like, but then this person will be upset. And then you have to invite this person. And I was like, this is getting really annoying. So it, it was turning out to be this big thing that was much bigger than what we needed it to be. Because I always fantasize about having a really simple, rustic wedding. So we were planning it and planning it. And then the pandemic hit and then they wouldn't let us cancel. And I was like, you guys, <laughs> you got to let us cancel. And never, I guess, in the history of the St. Regis here, had they let something cancel unless it was a hurricane or a tornado or something, because, you know, this is all unprecedented. Anyway, they finally let us cancel. We weren't going to do anything. And then I started Googling farms because, you know, I had so much time. I was so yeah. bored. I was like, what do you imagine a farm? Farms are open. They're outside. What if it's like an inn? If I find an inn and it's just whoever can drive there. And that's it. You know, your parents, my parents, my grandma. Let's just see if we can do it. And we did. I found this farm and they had all these COVID restrictions and they were super amazing. There was a woman there who just like took care of our dogs the whole night and make sure they were fed. And they cooked for us. And it was this beautiful inn and they all wore masks. And it was super safe and special and quaint and perfect. And I'm from New Jersey and I got married in New Jersey and it all felt very serendipitous. So I have no interest in redoing anything or making it bigger. It was perfect. I really love that because especially during that time, you felt so grateful for any kind of interaction, any kind of social ability. Yeah. It must have made it, yeah. I don't know, more emotionally resonant. Totally. And there was nothing superficial either because it was August in New Jersey. It was so hot. So there was no AC in these rooms. There's like a cute like quasi AC of whatever period the inn was built during it was not effective so I was hot and I was doing my own hair and makeup I did my grandma's hair and makeup my mom's hair and makeup and by the time I got out there right after we said our vows I just was like all natural I was just like my makeup was off and my hair was curly and frizzy and I was like you know screw it whatever this is great this is perfect this is kind of who I am at my core there's no drag there's no nothing it's just me and my family and my husband and 
my dogs, which was so cool that my dogs were there. And it was it. And our RV, unfortunately, that too. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay, Liz, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I dug London. I've been there a couple of times. It's kind of cool. But honestly, I just always want to be on the East Coast. I think I would say New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut every time. I've spent so much of my life there, but I'm happiest there. So maybe there. But if I was just like exploring and roaming around, maybe Portland. I like Portland. Portland's cool. Or like I've never been to Washington. I've never been to Seattle. I want to see what's up. Oh, you would love it. I love rain and I love like green and I love foliage. So I feel like that's totally my bag. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I couldn't believe how happy I was at first. It was jarring. Right. Like, I really think it's because my body was absorbing some sunlight for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And how ugly, just aesthetically, coming from Seattle, which is a really beautiful city. And there is, of course, a ton of green. So much that, you know, of course you take it for granted to come to sort of this poorly planned dusty dreamland. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Flying from LA to Portland, I'd only been there twice. It was like October or something. LA was just yellow, whatever. And then Portland was just like neon green. I was like, this is kind of like, I think what it should be. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is the gag right here, but whatever. Um, I mean, listen, LA has a lot going for it. Everyone really likes it. And I lived there for over 10 years. It's a beautiful place, but different. Liz, will you tell us what the best trip you've ever taken has been? When our show went to Paris to film in season two, my parents had never been. So I flew my parents out with me and they got to see Paris. And oh, my God, I know it was the best. And I made all these amazing reservations and we saw everything and we walked around and to see them experience it and like to see them experience it as a couple was so cool because I was working for a lot of it. And then um to this day, they're just so thankful for that trip. And it was just a beautiful time that I got to spend with them. So probably that for sure. That's really nice. I think there have been a couple of times I've been able to like extravagantly treat my parents. Yeah, yeah. It's always really rewarding. It just yeah. feels good. But then they get spoiled. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes, they do. My but... <laughs> dad told me the other day, he said, I'm never flying again unless it's first class. cool (laughs) I love that I totally feel you that's amazing (laughs) Liz do you have a favorite movie that you could watch over and over I have comfort movies I mean we all do there are really any Nancy Myers movie but I really if I'm really freaking out I usually always put on it's complicated (laughs) just really I really like it you know what I mean that movie though it's just sort of like You can have it on. The stakes are high, but they're also low. That's a great way to describe it. And it has a beautiful lifestyle. Beautiful lifestyle. Always the homes, the clothes. The dialogue is light. I'm a big Nancy Myers fan. And then the holiday, I don't usually watch holiday movies unless they're during the holidays. I'm really kind of serious about that. So I had an argument the other day about just friends because they were saying, like, is it a holiday movie or is it just a comedy? And I was like... To me, Christmas happens, so it's a holiday movie. But other people are like, no, it's a year-round comedy. And I'm like, I feel you, but so much Christmas. There's a lot of Christmas, and I think I would consider it a holiday movie. Then, I mean, if it's coming from you, that's, I won. I know, exactly. You win. (laughs) I mean, you know, Girl Interrupted used to be a comfort movie for me, so I'm all over the place. That's an interesting idea, that Girl Interrupted was a comfort movie for you. No, you know what it was for me? Just like every girl my age, I'm sure, whenever I was kind of getting like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore with 
because I, you know, I've been acting since I was like 12. I, I would watch when I was younger, like Angelina in that role, just like every young girl. And Oh, I know. I'm seduced by her. <laughs> She's magical. You're like, if she can do that, then I can do that. And you're like, no, you can't. But that's okay. Enjoy the movie. Um, but, you know, any really good movie helps you get back into like remembering why you love this and why you're in it. And like, for me, it's White Lotus right now. My favorite show in the world. I just started watching it last night. What episode are you on? Just the first one. I'm so excited about oh, it. Oh, my God. It's one of those projects that makes me envious. I want to be a part of it. You have no idea. I'm kind of actually, I've been embarrassing myself on social media a little bit about it. I'm kind of like their PR person. Not the best way to get drunk. <laughs> I love it. I just think it's one of those things. And you'll see like in episode two, it just sort of like clicks and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, good. Oh, good. Once in a decade. It's really... Oh, I'm so excited. I really needed a new something. You're going to love it. Liz, do you collect anything? I realized the other day I'm kind of a really organized hoarder. I save every like movie stub, every plane ticket, every card I get. If I've ever gifted anything, any note I get from anybody, I save all that. So that's a weird collecty thing, sort of. But mugs, I collect mugs. I like to buy them in different cities and I like them to be handmade. Like if there's ever like an artisan-y kind of local market, I will always buy a mug. I just bought one in Jamaica and it's really pretty. Have you ever done Mark Maron's podcast? No, dying to. Huge fan of his. He gives you like a cool handmade mug. I mean, like if only for the mug, I would do it. If you only know? for the mug. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Okay, all these plane tickets, are they in a little shoebox? They're in a shoebox, an overflowing shoebox. Like I just moved into my house here a couple of years ago. So I started a new one. The other stuff is in storage from my last house. But every time I just go like that, I shove it under the lid. I don't even open it anymore. But now it's sort of like, I have to organize it a little bit more because it's a little bit disorganized, but it is in a box. They're not loose and about. They're in a box. Do you get comfort in sort of recording experience like that? Yeah. I record positive and negative experience too. Like I don't like to get rid of anything. I'm not someone who like tears up photos or throws away gifts from people that I hate now or something. I like to keep everything actually. So wait a minute. Do you have a lot of photos of exes and things like that? I mean, I, I've only had serious relationships with a few people, but I, I kept the stuff. I didn't get rid of anything. Or my favorite is looking back at old text messages. Do you ever do that? Back when I was on a plane, if it like didn't have Wi-Fi or something, like I would always go back and just read stuff that people, it's weird. I know it's kind of strange. As I get older, less so, but when I was younger, I loved it. That's too vulnerable making for me to revisit things that intimately. No, I feel you. I mean, if anything really tragic ever happened, I, it's like it didn't happen for me. My body locks it off immediately. Like it goes into like a, a little <laughs> lockbox inside my body. I can't access but everything else that didn't traumatize me I'm down to revisit do you cry on a regular basis I never cry I don't either wait you don't not really sometimes it'll like appear a little bit randomly with something sentimental on television or something yeah 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 I feel you there totally that's maybe should not be the thing right it's delayed right or if something really tragic happens and then you feel bad because you don't cry like for me I've been doing something totally random weeks later, and then it randomly will pop up, and that will be the moment. Do you think there's any correlation between being a stage actor? There's a certain control of emotion that you have to kind of master, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. No, maybe. I mean, I've had so much frustration in my career, especially I'm on the show I'm on now, Dynasty's like a Soap. So there's a lot of crying and a lot of big emotions. I've never had a problem with screaming, anger. 
frustration. It's just like to just cry, to just weep. I have a real big problem with that acting wise. And I'll get there, but it takes me a long time. So maybe, yeah, maybe like psychologically in my life, because I feel like I need to prep for it. I just can't. But maybe I still have like, we have two teenagers in the house. Michael, my husband has two teenagers. That's my husband's name. I know. And I was going to ask you this. Does he go by Michael or Mike? Okay. So all his friends call him Mike and I call him Michael. My Michael is totally a Michael. And recently if we fight, I'll call him Mike. I'll be like, all right, call him Mike. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really fun. Like I only started doing it last week. I kind of love it. <laughs> We're not even really fighting. I'll just be like, if he's annoying, I'll just be like, okay, Mike, you don't like it. That's awesome. But no, he's like a Michael through and through to me. You know what I mean? Yep. I completely get you. Okay. Do you have a favorite book or author? Over the pandemic, I found... Um, I'm obsessed with Joni Mitchell. I always have been. But I read this incredible book of interviews with her spanning across decades. A friend of hers wrote it. And so it's also her friend. So they start and they don't really know each other, the interviews, and then it goes on. And now they're old friends. And it's just her stories are so incredible. It was really well written. And I just had the best time reading it. It's a book that I just really enjoyed because I love her music so much. So to find out the moment she was in the reason she wrote it, you know, and then looking at my life now that I'm kind of the age she was because I've loved her music forever. But now that I'm in my 20s, I relate to her music in a different way. And that was really great for me to read that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Not knowing too much about music, what do you think it is about her, her life, her ethereal quality? Yeah, I mean, she had so many experiences. And to be a woman at that time, having those experiences, but not just that, being able to write about them, being open to sharing them, and then sharing them in the candid, poetic way that she did, I think that's what transcended and made her such a legend and a star. Because music back then, girls weren't listening to it and kind of, being like, oh, that's what I'm going through. Or I relate to that because people weren't writing about things she was writing about. She was writing about like having a daughter when she was super young, having to give her up for adoption, and what that meant for her and how the dude just totally left her on her own and all these things. And then mixed with the poetic way that she worded, you know, all these experiences and these hardships that she had, she's kind of just on another level. So yeah, now being around her age, when she was really writing the bulk of this music, it's it's super deep and cool. And I'm not even, I'm really not a sentimental person, but she makes me one. <laughs> I just love, I, I love it. I love her music. The idea of Joni, and I think why she's so widely admired by singers, to me, she has a delicacy to her vocal quality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But will you educate me a little bit? So much of her music, I really believe, I'm not overstepping by saying, I think that she classifies herself as a painter first and a writer first. And so her melodies and her music, she did it to accompany all her thoughts and all her ideas. I think she was more driven by words and by painting than she was by the music portion of it. So because of that, she in turn had such an interesting way of phrasing and she had so many jazz influences that her music is so complicated and it's so hard to sing. And I challenged myself over quarantine. I, I usually don't like to touch her stuff because it's so special to me, but I tried to 
learn a couple of her songs and record a couple of them. And they take a long time to learn. They're not something you can just roll into because her breathing, her phrasing, it's all so natural to her, but it's unnatural to us. And that's probably why she is so special and no one can really touch what she does. Although Brandy Carlisle is doing Blue in New York this September, which I really want to see. Anyway, yeah, she's just That was a great. beautiful way to put it. I hope I said it right. I don't know. Okay, so what personality traits did you inherit from your parents, do you think? I inherited a sense of humor from both of them, but my dad is more of a clown in a good way. He is an entertainer, a born entertainer and a singer, and no one can tell a story or kind of command a room like he can. And I think I I learned that from him. We're both very weird, too. And again, in a good way, we're just wacky. We think of really funny out there things and um, we can laugh at anything. I think that's something that both my parents have. And I'm thankful for that because without a sense of humor, I don't even know. I don't even know where I would be or where any of us would be. And my mom and I, a lot of people say we're opposites. We're really close. She's actually been living with me this year here because during COVID, I couldn't have my driver back because in the beginning, we couldn't be around like other people. Everything was super like pod heavy. And so I was like, mom, just can you quit your job and just come here and just kind of help me out this year and drive me? Because I know I should drive myself. I, it's a whole conversation. I've had a lot of past trauma with driving and I have to get over it. Well, first of all, driving in Atlanta is not easy. No, I know it's not. The only places I've driven are New Jersey, like Atlanta and L.A. They're all really bad driving cities. <laughs> you have to memorize your lines. I know. I know. That's the problem. I use that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I'm somebody who like looks at my lines right before we roll. So that's my bad. But I think it was in Zach's podcast. I think you said you were giving an example of searching for a line. Yeah, yeah. It was really funny. You were like, you were seeking power and you're like, what am I seeking power of? Oh, yeah, the right. company. Right, right, right. <laughs> I have now, I, I'm like at this point, I'm like Ron Burgundy, where whatever you write, I'll say it. I'm not going to look into it. Listen, I'm not going to ask about we're it. We're tired. No, I'm tired. The fight's over. I'm like for 16 years and I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to follow up. I'm not going to say like, oh, my character's a mermaid now. Do you want to like, does that change anything? No, it's fine. I'll say it. There you go. You're like a it's 73 done. year old. Oh my God. I said the other day, I'm like, I could play this role in my sleep and I have because <laughs> I have fallen asleep before. Just because of being tired, not because it's not super fun, just because I'm tired. And I've still like someone was like, no, you did it. We have it. You want to watch it back? And I was like, no, that's sick. I I was not there for it mentally, but that's that's amazing. I'm so happy that it was recorded. Anyway, so my mom and I are actually very similar. We're both very hyper. We just like to do things. We like to do things all day. We like to have a full day of tasks and organization and cooking and a schedule and just lots of we like to plan a full day. She loves to work out and she's super healthy and beautiful and hyper and selfless. And in that way, we're different. I don't like to work out. I don't really like to go outside, especially in the sun. And anyway, my fashion sense definitely came from her. My ability to make everything nice. Like she just can take a room that I'll feel like I'm done with. And I'll be like, do you like how I decorated this room? And she'll be like, and she'll tweak like four little things and then it will be perfect. And I'll be like, God damn it. But she's right. Like she has an eye. I think I got a lot of that from her. So my parents are awesome. I don't know. I got a lot from both of them. When you were growing up and having fame at 14, 
Was there a moment when your parents felt like you were being poisoned by it at all? More like L.A. I think moving to L.A. and my mom had to move with me and she and my dad were totally still together. We were a very close family unit. But, you know, I was after I did Broadway, I booked this Nickelodeon show when I was 15. So I couldn't live alone. So she went with me. And I remember we were all sitting at like the Lowe's Santa Monica outside and they had never been to L.A. And I had to sign a six year contract. Oh, my God. Kind of started crying. It was actually really sad. And my family was just like, what are you? What are you six years? Like, what is this even? What are you going to live here for six years? Like with mom? Like, what is this? This is not how we are. We're like a New Jersey family and we're close knit and we're we don't do this. And we signed it and it ended up being like three or four. But yeah, she would fly back every three weeks and I would stay. I would stay with different friends. And it was she and I in L.A. And I didn't really go out and party. It was just me and her. And she's the furthest thing from a stage mom. I'm a stage mom of myself. <laughs> so she was just sort of like, OK, listen, if it makes you happy, like I'll be here. I'll cook for you. I'll drive you all. Make sure that you're healthy and happy. And beyond that, I, I'm keeping my hands out of this. This is your industry. But everyone always loved her. Like, I would go to set and be like, is your mom coming? And I'll say no, not today. They'll go, oh, so it's just you? I'm like, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> to this Aww. day, they're like, Liz, I love your mom. That's really nice. They love her. And I adore her. I'm very lucky. And so important at such like a... A time in life when with sort of in the wrong hands, fame can be, I don't know, very warping. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, you were a teenager and all of it. And that, and that was early 2000s, man. I was Heidi in the musical <laughs> debut of Heidi at the Issaquah Village Theater. And like my acting was like localized in Seattle. And it was also incredibly nerdy. Like I didn't right. <laughs> I didn't have a boyfriend for a long time. Neither did I. It's okay. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Maybe it's a good thing. Okay. So should we do first love? My first love, I guess you could say, is when I was doing this show off Broadway before it went to Broadway. And I was had the guy in the show who was playing my boyfriend. Like I, I guess I fell in love with him and he kind of like showed me New York and we... It was my education of New York City, and that's something that I'm so thankful for because we really went everywhere. We'd go to, like, Brooklyn to get pizza, and then we'd go all the way downtown, and we'd walk around. We'd go all the way up to, like, Harlem to eat. So I learned so much about the city, and I was walking around until midnight some nights just, like, learning Manhattan at 14 and 15. And I never felt like I was in danger ever, and I never was, which is something I think is really cool about New York. But that's just my case. But I just understood the mentality and I sort of grew up going there. And so once I was working there and I was with him and I felt like that was fun. And I guess that was my first heartbreak too. When we broke up, I like went to go do the Nickelodeon show in LA and he came to visit and I was like, I don't think this is going to work out the long distance. And <laughs> so you broke up with him. I did. I did. So were you in pain then? Yeah, I was sad, but it was short. It was a lot of pain for a very short amount of time. He was in more pain for longer, which is how I knew I made the right choice for myself. Because years later, when I was dating my now husband, I broke up with him after a year. And I was in such inconsolable pain from breaking up with him that I knew I had made a huge mistake. And we got back together. Do you mind my asking what like the impetus for that first breakup was? I think there's something that happens at a year and a half for all couples. I know they say like seven year or whatever, but I swear to God, a year and a half is this weird thing where it's sort of like, What's the deal? Is this forever? Is this for right now? Like we were living together as well. So we we love a lot of the same things. We have a lot of the same interests, but we're very different and we deal with things very differently. And so I sort of got fed up with the way that he dealt with things and he was sort of getting fed up with me and it just something's got to give. So I pulled the plug to see what would happen if we ended things because I feel like he was going to break up with me anyway. I was like, one of us has to do it. So let's just see. And then after that, 
feel like we made the necessary changes because sometimes you have to see what that looks like. You have to see what living without the person looks like. And you have to go through that pain almost like a death. And then you come to know how important that person is or is not to you. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I feel like if you were a man saying this. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Like, I think I would be thinking about it slightly differently. Because, right. you know, what's that stupid thing that people say? If you love something, let it go. And if it comes back, like, you know, it's meant to be or whatever. And there is truth to that. Yeah. But I do think that it's used as an excuse. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, I felt like it was permanent. I didn't do it as a test. I didn't do it as like a, here you go. Here's a little, here's thing to freak you out. Let's get you, you know, like into shape. I just, I truly moved on, tried to. Could not, could not stop thinking about him. Was it because your lives were, you didn't see them blending together? I couldn't see our lives blending together at the time. And I wanted to, and I couldn't. Even though I was young, I was like, I don't want to waste my time. You don't want to waste your time. You're older than me. Why would you want to waste your time? So let's just stop now and let's try to find someone for you and I'll find someone for me. And I don't think this is it. And it just like day after day was just eating away at me. And all I wanted to do was be back there. And I commit. I always commit. When I make a decision, I moved out that day. I rented an apartment. I signed a two-year lease. We got back together three and a half weeks later. And I had that lease. And I had to break that lease. I mean, I I moved all my furniture and I got new furniture. I'm, I'm like very much a homemaker. So I like made my new life, made my house. And then I just was sitting in there like, oh. And then you ask yourself, is this because I should be going out? And I should be meeting people. And it was like a cozy sweater that you don't want to get rid of because it's so cozy. Or is the sweater like essential for my life because that's my soulmate? And it turned out to be that. And I took the time to think about it. But no, I mean, look, we're married now. How did you woo him back? I didn't really need to. He was trying to get me back. Oh, that's really sweet. He was really mad in the beginning. And then it became like everything I I wanted that he would always say, no way, no Cause I'd be like, you never want to go see theater with me. And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see theater. I'm so sorry. I don't want to do that at all. And I was like, you never want to travel. I want to travel. So then he like texted me a couple weeks and like, I just bought tickets to Hawaii. Do you want to go to Hawaii? And I was like, oh my God, like, no, but I get your point And that's cute. <laughs> You're like, I don't like warm weather. I don't like, <laughs> like being I'm like, you weren't listening. I'm like, that sounds like more of a you thing. I definitely don't like the beach, but. But then, yeah, he's like, I got tickets to Book of Mormon at the Pantages. I was like, oh, my God. So I was like, all right, he's going to, like, meet me in the middle. And then I met him in the middle. You know, I had some growing up to do as well. I wanted to see, like, hey, what does me living in an apartment in my 20s by myself look like? And the answer was I wasn't into it. I didn't want to date. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to be with him. And so it was good. It worked itself out. Do you have advice for a healthy relationship? Learn how to fight. That really is my my best advice. Learn how to fight with your significant other. And I'm not saying you should fight. I'm just saying learn how to fight because there's no two people fight the same exact way. And sometimes you'll get into a fight. And if you can learn to know the other person and learn to be mature enough to avoid certain topics and to kind of do it in a healthy way. I know this is a really weird thing to say. It's just like fighting is inevitable and it's going to happen. Also, if I talk to any older couples, couples have been together 30, 40, 50 years, they're like, sounds like you guys don't know how to fight yet. Like years ago, you know, and I'll be like, what does you mean know how to fight? And they're like, it's important to when you have arguments or tiffs to have kind of like a weird set in plan of how they're going to go about. So it doesn't just fly off the rails and you don't just hit below the belt and it doesn't get really ugly. There are ways to kind of be passionate and emphatic but still not kill each other, you know, emotionally. You can you can do it in a productive way. Are you good at apologizing? 
No, I'm not good at apologizing. <laughs> I will if I'm in the wrong, but I have a lot of, I can really convince myself I'm not in the wrong. But if I'm really in the wrong, if I just kind of went on a tear, then yeah, I will apologize. And But I don't throw out apologies just so things will be over. And I do. <laughs> that's kind of being the bigger person, honestly. And if it doesn't bother you and you don't feel like you don't feel disrespected in any way and you don't feel like you're lying to yourself by apologizing for someone else's wrongdoing too much, then totally throw in the towel. Who cares? You know what I mean? It's only a difficult pill to swallow when you don't feel like it's appreciated or reciprocated or the other person who I believe is in right. the wrong like doesn't extend themselves in any way, absorbs yeah. your apology as though they've earned it. Right. And then that's when it's like, <sighs> no, owning it is important. And I, I think I do that. That's something I, I definitely do for better or for worse. I will own my actions. And, um, and, and also I would say, don't build a case. Like if something's bothering you, even if it's against your personality type, if you can try to address it in the moment or give a heads up, like, hey, I'm feeling this way or hey, I don't like when you say that rather than building a case because there's nothing worse than like a week later. They'll be like, well, you did this and this and this and this last week. And these four things are why I'm mad at you today. And I'll be like, what? That's insane. That is great <laughs> advice. Don't build a case. Don't build a case. I hate that because then you feel attacked, you know, then it's like, I thought that was a nice day we had. You were thinking about that thing. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So just little things. But I mean, you know, they're hard. Relationships are hard. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. What talent or ability would you most like to have? I wish I was a really good dancer. I'm not. Like, I'm embarrassed when I dance. I feel embarrassed. And I wish I could just be, like, a free-moving. <laughs> I've always been good at, like, the more rigid ones, like tap, <laughs> ballet, like anything that's, like, maybe, like, the Little robot. Dance. For real, though, because when I tap it and use my arms, everyone's like, why don't you just Irish tap dance? Because it's what you're doing anyway. And you're Irish, so just go for it. Um, guitar. I wish I could play guitar. My hands are so much better for piano, and I picked up piano so quickly and guitar, I just can't mentally do it. And I wish I could because everything I love is really on guitar. Okay. If acting or performing or anything in the entertainment realm were to become outlawed, how do you think you'd be able to make money? That's such a good question because I would probably make something. I really have always wanted to have a general store of sorts with a combination of homewares and really pretty like clothing items that were all sort of handmade and locally sourced that or a flower shop. I'm so into this, Liz. You know, I'm so scared. I haven't done anything wrong, but I'm just saying like in today's day and age, I'm just like, if I get canceled tomorrow, I am going to go live somewhere random and just have a flower shop. That really is what I'm going to do. Well, come join me. I'm going to have a little farmer's market stand <gasps> up in Washington. I'm going to knit hats. This is a dream. What you're saying is my dream. I'm going to lose money on my shitty hats. 
But, but that's part of the fun. <laughs> At least you let your head will be warm. You have a hat. <laughs> that's so fun. Like when I was watching Schitt's Creek and I saw like, you know, he'd like drive to go get the cheese. I was like, I want to go drive to get the cheese to bring to my little store. That's all I want. And then I always had visions of like my whole family running it. Like there was one Christmas, someone in my family had, a, they just ran a Christmas tree farm and my whole family ran it like out in the country of Long Island, like way, way out. And it was so perfect and like picturesque. And I'm, I'm just chasing that same high. <laughs> Do you think you would describe yourself as kind of both an introvert and an extrovert? Totally. I'm very comfortable being by myself and I'm very private in my private life, but I'm totally fine being on stage and commanding a room, just less so as myself. Do you have a fear that other people might view as irrational? Oh my God, yeah. I didn't take elevators for like 10 years. What? I was afraid of elevators. I'm afraid of anything I can't control. So like flying. How did you live in New York? Oh, I, I would walk 30 flights up to an audition. I was really young. I got trapped in an elevator with a cast of a show. And someone yelled at me like, don't breathe, you're going to take up all the air. And for that, as a child in my head, it just totally screwed with me. So yeah, I had an elevator thing that I had to get rid of because I had to get rid of it. But I was able to manage it for a little while and not take elevators. How did you get over it? Do you mind my asking? I sort of just got over it. I went to therapy for weather. I used to be afraid of inclement weather, thunderstorms and wind. So weird, right? Well, can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, I was. I used to stay home from school if there were threatening cl- Well, if I was allowed. If there were threatening clouds in the sky or something, I would just be so terrified of it storming. And then once it was storming, I wasn't really afraid. It was the anticipation of what would happen. And then I went one time, I went to therapy and they're like, do you think that it's going to kill you, the storm? And I was like, no. And they're like, oh, then what's... And then I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah. I guess if it's not that, then that's, there's really... I mean, as I get older, I have a house and I'm like, well, the tree fall on the house, which is more of a headache than a... You know what I mean? Well, living in Atlanta, <laughs> there are a ton there's of There's so many. I know. Which has been good exposure therapy for me. I mean, I've grown up now and I've, I'm over it pretty much. But yeah, I still don't love it. And flying is just still a drag. I do it and I have to. And it's just not my favorite thing. It's hard for me to surrender control to a pilot or an elevator or a <laughs> captain of a ship. It's, it's hard for me. Do you ever have any fear of performing? I have none now with my show. You understand. It's like you do the same thing for long enough. You don't have fear of that thing. Like, I'll just do it. But live performing, singing, anything on a stage, anything where I have to remember, you know, no prompter, which was never an issue for me when I was on Broadway. And now I've been so spoiled. And now it's an issue for me mentally. I'm like, oh, my God, why do I need a prompter to sing this song? But that's what will go for me. That's my nerves. The words will go. And it usually doesn't happen. But that's what I tell myself. And I'll just like try to psych myself for how excited I am. I'll change it in my head from like, this is so scary. I'm so freaked out. What if this happens to like, I'm so even if it's not true, I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait to nail this song. Here we go. Here we go. This is gonna be so good. Like I just try to switch the narrative that works though, because it's the same feeling. So you're not like lying to your body. You're just kind of switching what your brain how it's registering the feeling, I guess. So that's kind of the only thing I do. And usually just the adrenaline can make it better most of the time. And then when you're in it, it usually requires so much focus and concentration that everything else, yeah, totally. there's just no room for anything. Exactly. Yeah. When or where are you happiest or most content? Probably when I'm with my family on the East Coast or when my family's down here. I'm happiest when I'm with my family, probably when I'm not working at all so I can really unwind. I can never unwind entirely if I am working because I'm a workaholic and I cannot compartmentalize like that. I will always be thinking about work in the back of my head. So if it's a true break and I get to relax and just have no pressure or responsibility on me and I get to be with my family, 
maybe in a season I love, maybe fall, maybe not summer. <laughs> and uh, somewhere on the East Coast that makes me very happy. I am appreciative of your East Coast love, but I also wonder, like when you talk about the East Coast, is it in juxtaposition to the West Coast? Like, what does that mean to you? The East Coast is just super different from the West Coast. I've actually had so much more of a love story with LA since I stopped living there. When I visit there, I love it. I love it so much more. I find myself going to the beach more. I want to stay in Santa Monica. I want to stay by the water, which is something, you know, so many of us LA people, we never actually go near the ocean. It's the biggest joke. But when I visit there, I love going and looking at the ocean, all the things. I had a super special time there for 10 years. And it was also like the bulk of my time with my husband was there. And so it was really magical in that way, like kind of, you know, being in love in LA. And I was also unemployed for the whole beginning of it. And so it was we would just ride bikes and like go to the beach and it was really special. And so I have no beef with the West Coast, but for me, the East Coast just symbolizes family, relaxation, no pressure. I've also barely worked in the East Coast. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. That it means something a little like calmer space to you or like safe space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay, wait, when you had planned this big wedding, yeah. did you have bridesmaids? Did you have no. like invitations sent out? Oh, yeah. I, I had really cool invitations. Oh, so the invitations were sent out. Oh, yeah. yeah but yeah. no bridesmaids. This is fascinating. No, I didn't want to do bridesmaids. And a lot of my friends... I love you. Yeah, a lot of my friends who are getting married now are also not doing bridesmaids. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of a headache you can avoid. If you just don't do it, you can't hurt anybody's feelings. And sometimes you have more than one very best friend. And it's like, you want to choose both of them for different reasons. And so for that reason, you should just not do it, you know? And also it's, I'm not somebody who likes to travel with an entourage. I don't like kind of feeling like there's people behind me or people doting on me. And I didn't want to give that pressure to my friends. So I just didn't do it. And I also wanted to be left alone. Doing my own makeup was really great for me. It was therapeutic. I just thought about the day and I was like, oh, getting married. <laughs> I love that so much. Yes. I think bridesmaids, it's just a rough idea ranking your friends essentially. It's tough. Yeah, exactly. Um, it can work beautifully and can be a great support system. But for me, I was just like, I have so many great friends and I don't need it. I don't need them to do anything, you know? I think that's amazing. And I love that you were like, I'm smart enough and mature enough to eliminate this <laughs> potential drama. Exactly. I was like, how can this be avoided? What's your favorite holiday and your least favorite holiday? I love Christmas. I really love Halloween, too. I love Halloween. I'm always a man for Halloween. The last five years I've been a man. It's been really fun for me. What kind of man? I was Blake Shelton last year because I had no costume, but I had a whole kit in my house with, like, facial hair and bald caps, and I know how to do a little bit of FX makeup. So I kind of just—my friend looks like Gwen Stefani a little, and I was like, should we just do Gwen and Blake Shelton? She's like, yeah. And I was like, sick. So I just did that. The year before, I was Joaquin Phoenix in The Joker. The year before that, I was Bradley Cooper in Stars Born. And that was full on because I think people like look at me at this point on the show that I'm on and I'm always just like super glamorous and stuff. And I, I like throwing on a beard and some cowboy boots and making everyone a little confused one day out of the year. So I love Halloween. I love Christmas. I hate New Year's. I don't like party holidays. July 4th, of course, like great holiday technically, but what it is is usually fireworks and drinking and it's anything that just symbolizes like party. I'm like an old lady. Like you don't want to have to go someplace, park. No, I want to host something and I want it to be way more Martha Stewart than Rager. That's kind of my favorite thing. I've hosted New Year's like cocktail parties, but they're very adult and they're usually not what people want. They usually want to like get drunk and hang out and I usually want everyone to just kind of sit around. 
my vision of the world is like a 1960s cocktail party and it's not, no one wants it. Joni. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sweetheart, get this shrimp from the kitchen, honey. Like I'm just, I'm out of my mind. I don't even know. But yeah, I don't like to party. Liz, have a wonderful rest of your day and thank you so much. For sure. Thank you. This was so much fun. Bye, Liz. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey everyone, April Beyer is back, now officially as my much-needed co-host. As you know from previous episodes, April brings great advice, insight, and years of experience. I am so thrilled to have her. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Awesome. You have just an amazingly beautiful smile. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Jesse, will you tell us what's going on? I loved your letter, and I'm really honored that you wrote to us. Will you tell our listeners what's happening? Yeah. So I um, was a javelin thrower in high school and college, and I went to college down in North Carolina. And I did pretty well, but I gave it up once I graduated and everything. And I stayed in North Carolina for a few years, just working down there from Pennsylvania. Eventually, it just got to the point my whole family's in Pennsylvania, and I just missed them so much. And so I wanted to come home and be with them. So I moved back home to Pennsylvania and uh, I started coaching high school track and field here. And I started throwing with my athletes earlier this year. And when I was throwing, I was like, I can still do this. And so I started throwing far enough to qualify for the Olympic trials this year, which was super awesome. That is so incredible, Jesse. It was really exciting, especially because I haven't thrown in so long. So I started training and a couple weeks in, unfortunately, I tore my elbow, like the UCL there, see my nice scar. So I had to get uh, elbow surgery, but we're on the mend. And so hopefully next year I'll be good to go. And then the Olympics will be in 2024 again. And so I'm like, I want to go for it, which I think for most people would be a no brainer, but I don't think I can do that well in Pennsylvania for a couple reasons, but it just like tears my heart up to think if I would have to leave my family again, because I'm I'm lucky enough, I still have all four grandparents. I have a little brother who's about to go through high school. I have a little nephew who's one year old. Like, everyone's here. And I just got home. 
And so it's really hard to think about leaving again, mostly because like of a fear of what if something happens when I'm gone and that would just wreck me, you know? But the reason I feel like I have to do it elsewhere is because one, in Pennsylvania, just throughout the winter, you have a couple months I can't throw outside. I need somewhere with nice weather year round. And I have so many commitments here that I love, but I can't do it if I'm really going to focus on this goal. Like I coach three different sports and I love all of this stuff, but I can't add Olympic training to that. And I don't I don't know which one. I feel like it's almost selfish to choose me and leave. But at the same time, I think this is such a once in a lifetime chance. I don't know. Oh, man, Jesse, when I read your letter, I thought about when I made the decision to move to Los Angeles to actually give acting a try. I had a job lined up at this ad agency in London. Sounds like I was really qualified right out of college. I was not. And I was going to live with my friend there who was already in school in London. I knew I was going to marry a British man and then get divorced. Like I, <laughs> I had my whole life planned. And then I got cast in the worst horror movie you could possibly imagine. I was a local hire, a movie called Lover's Lane. But working on that film as a local hire, like changing in the porta potties into my cheerleading costume, my character never took off her cheerleading costume. But that was the impetus of I was around these other actors that were younger than I was. And they were good, but they didn't seem extraordinary. It kind of weirdly suddenly felt within reach. Like, I felt like they were more attractive and they had better connections. But I did feel like, I think I'm kind of good. Anyway, I graduated college. I moved to Los Angeles. I was incredibly fortunate to book a scary movie. But for the first couple of years, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was mad that my parents made me go to college because nobody in Los Angeles cared. And I already felt too old. Whatever that says about our society or me, whatever, I don't want to examine it now. But I was thinking about like how these big decisions are made. And of course, now I'm so glad I went to college. I'm so glad that things worked out the way they did because it's interesting when I ask people on the podcast what their biggest regret is. Nobody has one, really. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody is at the same place that most all of us are at, which is like if the decisions that we had made were different, then we wouldn't be in this present moment. But you have like this big decision. April, how does she make it? Well, first of all, you are amazing. And I love that you have so much choice, so many beautiful things that you love to do, so many people that you love. I mean, this is a really good problem to have. You have that success gene. That's the good and the bad news is that you have a lot of opportunity around you. So we get it. We get why this is such a, a struggle. And you're so young still. So just to give you a little bit of insight coming from somebody older and who's really attached to her family, that feeling of what if something happens when I'm gone never goes away. Mm -hmm. It's there if you move to another city. It's there if you just didn't happen to be there at that last hour for the grandparent or the parent. And so what they want for us is for us to be happy and to lead our lives. So you never want to make a decision out of fear or scarcity. You want to make it out of like, what is your instinct telling you? You know, like if everybody was going to be fine and you could come back and visit and and maybe in four years you move home again, well, like whatever that is, 
would you still choose to go and pursue this Olympic dream? Right. And that's what I thought of before. It's like, there are no guarantees in life, but if I had a guarantee that everyone's going to be fine and it's just two years away, then I could do it because I spent eight years in North Carolina and I loved it. I didn't want to leave. It's just the reason I made the decision because no part of me wanted to leave North Carolina except for just being around my family. And I was nervous that if I left, that I would regret it. But no matter what decision I make, if I choose my family, there will always be like, what ifs, but I will never regret time with family, like choosing time with family. So that's kind of what I always go back to is like, well, it'll be okay because this is what I get out of it. I think that's what makes me a little hesitant. And the thing is like where I would go specifically already knowing because I'm like half planning, half not planning is most likely to California because I have a lot of connections there just like through college. And so it's not just away. It's like other side of the country. And when you're training like that, is it just 100% all in so you can't get on a flight and go home every 10 weeks? Like what is the schedule like if you decided to do this? How often could you fly home? Well, I hate flying, so I probably wouldn't <laughs> that often, but it would be an all-in thing for me because I've I've never taken the time in my life to do something all-in. Like I'm always coaching. I love doing that stuff. I love doing things around town. I'm just such an active person. So it's it's a weird thought for me. I don't even know how I'd go about going all-in on this. But that being said, I mean, I would want to fly back for Christmas and maybe one other time, so maybe two times a year. But again, a lot of my money would go to because it costs to train and go to meets and like a lot of my travel or any time off I would take from any job I would have just to support myself would go towards that dream. Can anybody come to you? Possibly could. I don't see that. This is like we grew up in this town. No one really leaves this town. I'm the one who left and I eventually came back. (laughs) But the thing is, my grandparents who I'm talking about who are so awesome, I went to school in North Carolina. I had meets in North Carolina and California and even El Salvador. And my grandparents never missed a single meet. I know if this happens, like they would come. It's just that I'm struggling with the thought of leaving this place that I love that's like just so near and dear to my heart. And like I said, I love high school coaching. I love doing this festival for my town. It's just like, I don't know why it feels like a selfish choice. No, it's like a generous, well, okay. Have you been watching the Olympics religiously like this time around? I have. It was, it just happened that today was like the javelin final and like everything like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it just like everything's happening. And what did it stir in you? It was, I don't want to say frustrating, but I'm like, I could throw that. I I just, I have to heal properly and everything. You know, the surgery could change things, but I just have such a drive to do this. And it's something that I love so much. I love the competition and I love the track world like that. But yeah, just watching it. I want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, because I bet that that is really making this decision, like, yes, you're like thirsty. You're like chomping at the bit. Yeah. Yeah. It relates back to your story, Anna, when you saw those other actors and you're like, I can definitely do this and I could probably do it a lot better. (laughs) It's that same thing, right? Yeah. You know, if I were to say, Jesse, that I really think you should do this. I really think you should take like a year, go out West, train, see what happens. How does that make you feel? 
Like, what's your gut? Was that fear? Was it like excitement? It was definitely more excitement just because when I, like, I seek out like challenges and I'm like, it's something so new and so adventurous. And that's honestly the one thing about being home that has been nice and I don't know, not irritating, but it's just home is so comfortable and I'm not always okay with that. But at the same time, like, it's obviously scary to to leave that. When I made the decision to move to Los Angeles, I said I was going to live there for a year. If I was happy at the end of the year, I will reassess. I was going to work as a waitress and like try to just kind of scrape by and audition and kind of roll the dice. And then after the year was over, when I was still waiting tables, I would then go back to like marketing. (laughs) But it may help like psychologically if you want to think about what terms. It feels like it would be tragic if I told you to stay with your family because I, I do feel like you want to give this a whirl. It could be the Olympics talking. <laughs> it could be. I love the Olympics too. And Jesse, I will go. I'll be there. It's in Paris. I'll meet you there. Yes. <laughs> it's interesting that you've used the word selfish a couple of times. And so when you're going to make decisions like this, you have to make sure you're coming like really clean on a few things. There is nothing selfish about pursuing a dream. And the reason why Anna brought up the Olympics and why we're asking you about this is because your body always knows. So when you're watching it, you know, if that stirs something in you, that's different than the person's like, oh, I could, I could go there. And from what I know about athletes, pro athletes, is there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice. I've often said if I could have my way, I would only hire former athletes for my company because I know they know determination, sacrifice, hard work perseverance, grit, you know, first one's in, last one's out, to be really good at something. So you're not just saying Olympics versus my family. It's also what is living in you. Like maybe this is your purpose. And had Anna got into marketing, we wouldn't have Anna Ferris in the world. And she's made us laugh for years. Scary movie, one, two, three, four. You don't like to give yourself enough credit for your brilliance, but just saying. So if Anna had said, I can't leave family, I can't do this, and she didn't become an actress and do the things she's done to create laughter and joy in our lives, we would be missing that piece. We wouldn't know we missed it if she never became an actress. And so you have to look at things as like, when you have that calling, you have to hear it because it's almost like it's not just about you. There's nothing selfish about your purpose. Because there's going to be a girl watching you one day at Paris 2024 who's like, oh my gosh. And then she's going to hear your story, how you left the family that you loved and the sacrifices that you made. And you're going to mentor. And you have plenty of time to coach. You could be coaching into your 70s. So right now, you have a window to do something that requires your energy and your youth, not being married, not having a bunch of kids under your arm. Like, if you're ever going to make a sacrifice, do it now while your grandparents are still young, your parents are young, your nephews are young. They'll come see you. And, you know, my husband's from a small town, and he and his brothers all left that small town in the Midwest. And with them going to California and New York, the whole family dynamic has shifted because now the parents travel. They see things they've never seen. They go to Europe, which they never would have if everybody had just stayed. So in effect, 
You are bringing the family new experiences by doing this and opening up your world. You're opening up their world and you're giving them an opportunity to see you in this, which is way more gratifying than just spending every single day with you. Right. That's a very good point. I don't even have like, not that I'm trying to think of rebuttals, but it's just things I've never, I've never thought of. I think it's all, it's always the little things that I think about, like, especially that I wasn't able to do for so long in North Carolina. Like when my little brother texts me, like, what are you doing? I think he wants to hang out. And then he's like, can you come help me with homework? Like something like that. It just means so much to me or just like grabbing. This is the first birthday that I've spent with my family and we all went out to eat. And it was like something so little as that is just gave me joy that I hadn't had in a while. I mean, like I said, I love North Carolina, but all these little things that I had been missing for eight years, the thought of that was scary to leave. I bet you're like scared of being homesick. Yeah. Like scared of getting to California and feeling that ache. You know, lately, a lot of our listeners, a lot of my friends were in this place of either reflecting on the past intensely or futurizing to an extreme degree. It's like we're trying to solve puzzles and we're anticipating so, so much to protect ourselves, I guess. And it's a tough way. I mean, it's interesting how there's a little bit of a correlation between like your fear of flying and sort of the fear of being homesick, this anticipatory fear. And I think going to the Olympics would be an awesome way to conquer it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, because I'll tell you something about boys. Your little brother is going to grow up, and by the time he's 16, he's going to be like, bye. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's already getting yeah. like that. <laughs> so he'll go and achieve his dreams and leave the, the small town. And you might be reflecting back and going, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. The nice thing about family is family is forever. And in this virtual world that we're all in now— Zoom allows us to all be together. People can get on planes. They can come see you. Imagine your grandparents heading to Paris 2024. Imagine your family all making a trip. You've now given them a memory that's going to last a lifetime. And time is a very interesting thing. We think that time in our relationships is only valued in the length of time we spend. And I say we are not guaranteed anything in this lifetime. We're not guaranteed a significant amount of time here or with ourselves or with our family members or our friends or our lovers. Nothing is a guarantee. So if you have an hour with someone and it's meaningful and powerful, that's as good if not better than a lifetime of just the, the mundane. So don't think of time as I've got to harness time and I've got to absorb it as much as possible in order for it to be effective and real. The time you've been home has been amazing. So if you're going to plan to head out this next year to train, you make the time you have really count. And when you come home at Christmas, you make that time really count. And it's beautiful that one of your values is family. That's always with you. It's such a rare thing to qualify even to get in that I can't imagine you would turn that down. You know, there's nobody that is, not to get morbid, but there's nobody that's sick we're dying in the family. It's not like it's grandma's last days. Mm -hmm. They're going to be here. And you have to go into your faith right now. You have to really dive into what is my purpose. I have faith that they will come see me. I have faith that this will all be okay. If I just do what is in my heart and what is in my body and my mind to do, I know that everything will work out just fine because you're going to have to sacrifice to do this. There's going to be long days of training. You're going to have to go to rehab for your elbow. Like there's so much you have to do. 
And I can't tell you what to do. I can just tell you that everything and everyone will be here when you come back. Yeah, I like that. And like what you're talking about, Faith, because I just, I do have very strong faith and belief that like whatever I choose here or California, that like I'll be used in whatever way I'm meant to in one of those places. Sometimes I wish I had the clear answer, which is why I called you. Um, uh, I do have that faith that like I will be used how I'm supposed to be used and belief in that. Yeah, that's faith. And Anna said it too, which is so many people are trying to solve all of the problems in advance. Like what if this happens in a year and this happens in a year? It's like, can we just deal with just right now? Like you don't have to solve every single problem right now. (laughs) right? Just one thing at a time. Maybe you commit to the training. Who knows what will happen? Maybe the the elbow doesn't repair. We don't know. But you commit to training. You commit to your rehab and you throw your hat over the fence and you go and trust that you will be where you you are exactly meant to be. Yeah. Jesse, have you asked your grandparents about it? I have not talked to them yet, but recently I had a conversation with my grandma because always when I would call them from North Carolina and be like, oh, when you moving home, when you moving home. And I was very shocked the other day because I went to visit North Carolina recently and I came back. My grandma asked me how it was and I told her it was great. I miss it a lot. And she's like, she told me, she said, if this isn't where you're supposed to be, that's okay. And I was like taken aback by it a little bit. Because for so long, they just wanted me to come home. And I know they want me to stay home, but I know that they want what's best for me and what I want to do. Because like I said, I'm kind of like the black sheep of the town who leaves because that's like not done around here, really. And so it's just very odd thing to think of. You also said that home is comfortable and sometimes that actually works against you and you actually don't always enjoy that comfortable feeling. I would talk to your grandparents. I love it. that They went to every meet. That's amazing. So you know that they'll be excited because they love watching you compete and they're proud of you. So they'll be tentative probably. But why don't you say, I'm thinking about training out West. I want to give myself 10 months to a year. If I'm really happy and I'm loving it and I really want to like pursue this, I'm going to stick with it and see what happens. If I'm not, I'm going to come back and continue coaching. I know that there's going to be days when I'll be really homesick. And I know there's going to be really hard days. Yeah. Because it sounds like they'll probably be like, we believe in you. This is a good idea. And then kind of take it like, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself in terms of, oh, I must train here until 2024. It's too looming for you right now. I would look at it as like that increment of time if you can. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because if you do qualify and everything heals and you get stronger, then who are you to say no to that? Like, you tell us, Jesse, yeah. like, what, what is the percentage of people who go for this and actually make it into the Olympics? Like, who would you be to turn that away when there are other people that wish they would have that opportunity and they can't because they didn't qualify? Right. I knew this photographer in Seattle who was just like a headshot photographer for broke <laughs> actors like myself. <laughs> And I told her before I moved to Los Angeles that I was thinking about moving down there. And she said, oh, God, yeah, I lived in Los Angeles for 20 years. I loved it. I had a blast. I did some acting. Like, I did, you know, whatever. I got, like, worked odd jobs. I liked how, though, it was such a relief how she framed it. 
it wasn't like she went to Los Angeles and she moved back to Seattle and viewed that experience as a failure because she didn't get, you know, the jobs that she wanted or I don't know. But it was like, it was so nice to hear an adult say that. Like, that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Yeah. yeah, at the very least, it could be a great life experience for you that you tried out. Right. And if you don't want to move away, I don't want you to feel guilty. I just don't want you to live your life with that kind of burden. But I do think you should go to California (laughs) and train. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Like seriously throw the idea to your grandparents if you trust them the most to be kind of the most even-handed with the whole idea. What do you think? Is this good? Does this make you feel lighter? It does. I think the problem I was having is because I was so nervous to talk to my family or any of my friends really other than like maybe one person about it. I never did talk it out. And like now that we are, I'm like, there are not many cons to doing it other than just being sad. I'm not with my family. So like I'm doing it. Yeah. That'll die a little bit tomorrow, but I think it'll stay high enough. Good. I hope it does, Jesse. I feel like as long as I keep healing as I do, I kind of feel like this time next year, I'll live in a different place. Yeah. It is really amazing to see your eyes light up when you talk about javelin. (laughs) Like your whole face smiles. I have a fun game we can play right now. Are you ready, (laughs) Jesse? Yeah. Tell us, not the physical stuff. Tell us about the attributes, the personality traits we would need to have if we wanted to do what you do, if we could be good at what you do. Specifically javelin? Specifically javelin. If you were teaching Anna and I, not how to throw it, but like if you said, here's your mindset, here's the person you need to be to be really good at this, what would those three or four attributes be? One is the general athlete mindset that you were talking about, like the dedication, being early, putting in the work. Specifically with the javelin, because it's an individual sport, I personally think, some may disagree, but I personally think you can't pay too much attention to other throwers like you can get training tips from them and adjustment tips like that but like there are some people who look up like the results of every meets and stuff like that but in my opinion like what they throw that doesn't affect me because I'm throwing on my own whereas like more of the team sports like basketball or football you scout the other teams because you're going one-on-one against them But in javelin, I mean, what this person next to me throws doesn't affect me at all and how I'm going to compete. And then three, not only can you not worry about others, you can't worry about, I don't like when people use the excuse of the weather because whatever weather is falling on me is also falling on this person who I'm competing against at the moment. So like if you're all at the same meet and it's raining and like you don't do well, I hate when people like, well, I didn't do well, it was raining. Well, it was raining for the other person too. You know, so it's like, I think you have to have a very strong mindset of facing certain adversities and also like just strong mind when you go into the competition and believing you deserve to win, you deserve to do well, because knowing that you've trained for this. Okay. So you just basically told us everything we need to know for your decision. Okay. This is what I heard. It's an individual sport. You can't pay any attention to everybody else. We're all in the same weather. You have to have a strong mindset. You deserve it. You deserve to do well because you've worked hard. Everything you're telling me is reminding us that you need to be your own person. You are your own individual. It's in who you are as a a woman. It's in who you are as an athlete. You're not going into a team sport. So you're trying to make a decision that is very individualistic by saying, how can I do that with my big family? 
you have to have the strong mindset here to do this because it isn't about everybody else. And if it's raining on you and you're sad, it's raining on them too. But then you're all in the same weather. So sorry, but I'm going to use your words against you. That was that was slightly mind blowing. I'm not going to lie. Yes, it really was. <laughs> that was um, that was really cool. I hope I can use that one day in life on someone else. Cause that, was, that was that was really cool. I liked that. I mean, I don't see why I shouldn't do it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, too, like there's somebody out there that wanted to go to the Olympics and they couldn't because they had a mom who was really sick and they had to stay home or a brother or their parents were aging or whatever. Like everybody around you is healthy, vibrant and fine and and able to travel. And if they don't like to get on a plane, leave their small town, they're going to learn. So be your own person and they will follow. That's what I plan to do then. You'll be in Paris, right? Yeah. <laughs> Paris, 24. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Jesse. I hope we helped you. Thank you so much. I can't thank you both enough just for helping me and the words that you've given me to think about. And just, I really do truly appreciate it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Jesse. I can't wait to see what's in store for you. I'm so inspired right now. I'm, I'm a little geeked out. I've never been so close to like a, an Olympic athlete. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might be closer if I come to California. Yeah. Thank you, Jesse, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Jesse. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. 